Hello everyone, happy Rocktober. Welcome to the Tuesday Toolbox meeting of Adult Children of Alcoholics. My name is Anne. I'm a Tuesday Toolbox member and an adult child of an alcoholic. We meet every Tuesday at 7 o'clock in the Cobble Hill neighborhood of Brooklyn. You are welcome to join us and we'd love to see you there. We're recording our speakers every week and putting the recordings online because we're hoping others will benefit from hearing these stories from our members. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, and questions. Our email address is TuesdayToolboxACA at gmail.com. Adult Children of Alcoholics is a program of recovery for people who grew up in an alcoholic or otherwise dysfunctional home. If you'd like more information about the program or want to find a meeting in your area, go to adultchildren.org and click on Find a Meeting. Our speaker this week is Danielle. Please enjoy. Hi, everyone. I'm Danielle. Hi, Danielle. Um, I'll just start by saying I'm always so honored when someone asks me to speak because it, it really still surprises me that I have anything to offer anyone. Um, you know, there's a lot of humility there, just sort of letting myself acknowledge that I've done work and that I've made progress, um, but also acknowledging that there's never going to be an endpoint, um, and that there's always going to be like a different evolution of my recovery. And for someone like me, when there's no like check marks in boxes, it's hard for me to allow myself like this feeling of success. And so the abstract nature of this program has been really challenging for me because sobriety is in the gray. It's not black, it's not white, it's different for everyone. I think it looks slightly different for everyone. Um, so anyhow, I'm always humbled to speak. Um, so thank you for being here with me as I share. Um, I'm gonna share mostly about step one today. Um, so I guess the theme of this whole qualification will be this idea of surrender. And for me, it's about continual surrender. I'm not going to go like too much in depth about, you know, um, my childhood and like the trauma that I've experienced, but I'm going to go into some depth around where I was when I came into the program. Um, yeah, because I think that's important. Um, and I'm also going to share a little bit about like my first few meetings and my experience when I first came into this program and what it felt like to like crack open this veneer that I had built up over so many years because it was like very painful and difficult. Um, so I'll just start there. So like obviously when people come into these rooms, like we're surrendering, we're sort of saying like, I, I need some help, I think. Um, but for me, surrender was, um, it was about acknowledging that like I wasn't sort of in the driver's seat of my own life. I was kind of this weird, annoying backseat driver who was just like, you're going to, are you, you're turning there? Like, that's what you're doing. Are you sure? Like, do you even like the car you're driving? Is this a safe car? Like, I really, I had very little agency over the direction that I was moving in, um, what I was moving in, um, and what did that look like? So, you know, I had spent seven years of my adult life working full-time, getting two master's degrees in, like, an area that 
had nothing to do with like my really innate passions and interests. I was sort of living a life to make other people around me comfortable and happy. Mostly my father, I really wanted his approval and his love. And I thought, if I do all the things that he didn't do, and you know, I have this career that he didn't have, he's gonna like really love me and give me attention. Mm. Um, that never happens. It never will happen. Um, but part of what I did in this program and part of like cracking open that veneer that I'm referring to is saying, I'm not gonna go there for that. Um, so, you know, self-parenting obviously is a really important tool of this program and that's something that I've spent a lot of time doing. And, you know, through that process, I've gained clarity on like the direction I wanna take my life. Um, but that really took surrender and like just opening my eyes and saying this is where I am like this is the reality of my situation I'm living a life that is not authentically mine and I am miserable um I was very isolated I mean not in a physical way you know like I had friendships and I would like go for dinner with my friends and like hang out with my friends and like date people and like I was in relationships but there was this like nagging deep loneliness that was always with me because I was never fully with myself there was always some level of dissociation from you know what this program refers to as like the true authentic self and because I didn't have a relationship with that part of myself and because I was cut off from that part of me that now sort of gives me this like you know levity and I don't know the other word but like you know like think of like sparkles like that um, I'm sure there's like a much more sophisticated word for that <laughs> But, you know, that part of me that gives me, like, a that, um, I had shoved down a really long time ago. And so, you know, this program helped me recapture that part of myself. And that, like, it needed, there was, like, chiseling that went on, like, constant chiseling. I don't know if you guys watch Game of Thrones. Um, I'm a huge fan, and like that one scene where the guy had to get like all of his skin, his like, you know, stone disease skin torn off with the tweezers. Like Sam was like in there with the tweezers. If you don't know this, I'm sorry, but basically, <laughs> the guy had to go through like a really painful process because he needed to heal. It was like all of this inflamed tissue that someone needed to peel off without antiseptic, and it was awful. But there was no choice. And underneath, you know, was this man and his skin. And was he left with some scars? Yeah. But, you know, he had this new chance at life. So when I saw that, it really made me think of, like, what early recovery felt like for me in this program. I felt like someone was ripping little pieces of inflamed skin off of me with a tweezer and, like, maybe then putting some salt in my wounds. And, like, I was just raw. I walked around raw for months and months. And I'm gonna read a little bit from this book, I promise, <laughs> about step one. Um, but, you know, if I didn't go through that period of extreme rawness and, you know, walking through the world without that veneer that I had created, I wouldn't have been able to access that part of me um, that now allows me to sort of be in the driver's seat. Because like this program for me was learning how to drive. 
Like, first of all, like, not only was I a backseat driver, like, I didn't have a driver's license. I didn't know how to drive. Like, I was just like, I don't, I don't know. Like, you do it. Like, every relationship, it was like, you sit in the driver's seat, you know? You're my higher power. You're going to show me the direction. And now it's like, I'm in the driver's seat. And when I first got in the driver's seat, it was like a little 14-year-old who, like, could barely see over the steering wheel and was trying to drive, like, a Mack truck. That's also what it felt like. Um, but now I would say I graduated to like, I don't know, just like a person who can drive a car and like I do it. I don't get into like a lot of accidents. Sometimes I get into fender benders, but all in all, I'm still here. I mean, that's just the best analogy that I can kind of give for what like the arch arc of my recovery has looked like. It's looked like learning how to drive. <laughs> um, so I'm going to read a little bit about... The step one summary for me, um, as I was reading through like some of the literature on step one, I feel like it just kind of hit home, and it's going to refer to like all of the anecdotes in here, but I'm not reading them, so I'm going to like, anyway. So step one summary. These shares represent the basic spiritual principles of ACA's first step. Powerlessness, unmanageability, surrender, and letting go. Step one requires that we admit that our family is dysfunctional and the dysfunction affects our thinking and behavior as adults. We must admit that we are powerless over the effects of growing up in a dysfunctional home. Our lives are unmanageable regardless of appearance of self-sufficiency. Social standing or compulsive self-reliance does not equal recovery. That was a big one for me. We must realize that willpower or self-determination is no match for the effects of growing up in a sick family. We cannot figure it out on our own. We need help. We must shatter the illusion that we can reason out a painless solution. The shares also represent the critical separation from family work, which is necessary to gain clarity about our lives. Separating from our families means setting healthy boundaries and removing ourselves from abusive situations and family crises which are common for dysfunctional homes. Many times adult children struggle in their ACA program because they cannot seem to break ties with destructive or manipulative relatives. We cannot grow and find our true inner selves as long as we engage in family dysfunction that is draining and unhealthy. Mm -hmm. I'll speak more about that if I have time. Um, separating from our dysfunctional family is a healthy act of defiance. By doing so, we are challenging the authority of the family lie. We are making a statement that we will no longer be loyal to denial and dysfunctional family roles. This can seem frightening, but we have the support of our ACA group. Many adult children separate from their families with love, not abandonment. They need time away to focus on themselves and to disconnect from the gravitational pull of a dysfunctional home. At an appropriate time, we review the relationship we want to have with our families. We will choose to avoid some family members because they are draining or abusive. Other relatives will accept us and encourage us on our new path, even though they may not understand or be willing to walk this way with us. A oh, thank you. ACA can improve our relationship with our families with the knowledge that we do not have to participate in their dysfunction. We are free to live our own lives. So... That was a huge part of my early recovery, this idea that I didn't need to participate in the dysfunction. I didn't know that that was an option. Like, no one ever says to me, hey, Danielle, you don't have to be part of that. Like, that was foreign news to me. 
Um, so the act of sort of separating from the dysfunction, again, it was painful, right? Because my focus turned from like me being this like self-sufficient, overly responsible, perfectionistic person who just focused on everyone else's flaws to like turning the lens this way and focusing on me, which was excruciating. Um, so, you know, I tried to do it with as much love as possible um, and it's really difficult. I also, I feel like in order to kind of awaken this inner kid that this program talks about, I had to sort of do things that allowed myself to trust myself. And for me and my story, that included, you know, setting boundaries about how often I was going to go see my mother or how often I was going to go talk to my father. Um, and in my early recovery, that was very important because then my inner kids started being like, oh, okay, I trust you not to put me in harm's way. So it were these small acts of self-care, as you know, we like to say in this program, that helped me start to gain this like trusting relationship with my inner kid. Um, and you know, I still find that even though I've set up these healthy boundaries and, um, you know, for the most part, I keep myself out of really abusive, unhealthy family situations as much as possible. But as I said earlier, this recovery is not black and white. It's very abstract, and emotional sobriety is, it's not a checklist. It's not easy to be like, I'm emotionally sober. Like, I think most days I'm pretty emotionally sober. Like, I know what I'm feeling, you know? I know what's going on. I don't think that I live in denial. I know what the tools are to help myself. I would say that right now where I am in recovery, I'm like letting myself use the tools effectively. And some days I choose to use them better than others. I do this program like very imperfectly. Um, you know, would I say that all of my relationships in my life are super functional and super healthy and super perfect? Nope. You know, would I say that every day, like, I, you know, engage with other people in a way that's as graceful and mature as I would like? Like, no. But, you know, do I do it much, much, much better than I used to? Yes. Um, but I think most importantly, the person that people are meeting and engaging with is me. You know, it is Danielle. It is from the core you know, it comes from a place of authenticity that I had never experienced before. And so it took me a while to be okay with saying, hi, hi guys, like this is who I am, you know? And that's usually what you do in some form of like adolescent development. I just never got the opportunity. So I had to do it in my early thirties, like it happens, but you know, whatever, <laughs> it's fine. Um, I'm doing it and I'm doing it more and more. Um, so I'll just sort of end by saying like, I hope that that was somewhat coherent, you know? Um, I always get so much from hearing other people speak and I always just hope that I could offer even like half of what other people offer me in these rooms. So um, yeah, thank you all for being here and you know, working this program with me because it's not a program that you can work alone. It's a program about you and other people. You, but it takes other people. So thanks for being here. Thank you.